Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Tonight, if you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 27, and uh, we'll pick it up there this evening. And you remember, David's been on the run. Uh, You remember how he's been in go mode, kind of being chased all over the countryside by Saul. And you remember, David's been anointed king. David clearly uh, is ultimately going to lead Israel. Uh, But uh, at this point in time, Saul is still the person that's on the throne. And so he's the acting king, even though we know David's ultimately been anointed to be king. We know that. Uh, and we read in verse 25 of chapter 26, where this is kind of where we left off in our last study. Then Saul said to David, and you remember, David's had this great victory when he went in and he could have, he could have just lopped off uh, Saul's head a second time. He's had this second opportunity to just sever this situation, be done with it, be removed, not have to deal with this anymore. But he, he restrains you know, himself. He doesn't even cut his garment or anything this time. He just takes his canteen and his spear just to make the point that, hey, I've been in there right next to you. I could have taken your life. I'm not your enemy in that sense. You know, so he's kind of gone through these motions of, of doing that. And then now Saul says to David in verse 25, may you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. So he basically is telling him, hey, I know that you're ultimately going to rule and reign. He, you know, Saul's even saying this. His enemy's even telling him this, you know, at this point. And so that, that's kind of where we left off. He's had this great victory. And then in verse uh, 1 of chapter 27, we pick up, they've kind of gone their separate ways. And David said in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. He's basically doing what the Bible calls fretting. He's starting to fret. He's starting to get kind of worried. He's kind of starting to think through things and mull it over and chew on it and regurgitate it and chew on it some more and just, you know, just kind of going over this, rehearsing this. And he says, there's nothing better for me that, that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. He says, I'm just going to go out into the world, basically down to the camp of the Philistines. I'm just going to go into their area. I'm going to escape. I'm going to run. I'm going to flee. And Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. He goes, I'm just going to have to take this matter into my own hands. I'm going to have to just deal with this. I'm just going to have to flee this circumstance because it's not going like I'd hoped it would be going. I'm just going to get get away from here. I'm going to go kind of basically on an Israel hiatus. Basically, he's just going to leave Israel for a little while, kind of just take off and, and just see how this kind of works out. Now, from a spiritual perspective, we're going to look at that as we go through this tonight. Uh, you know, there's a lot to just that one verse, but let's kind of go through this and work through from this decision what happens. Because he's basically kind of, he's not just taking a break from certain things in life. Right? He's running from God's purpose and God's plan in his life. So it's not like he's just gone on vacation or, or taken on, he's fleeing from what 
he's been called to do basically, ultimately. I know he's on the run. I know all of that, but still it's not really, he's gone off into the enemy's camp. You see what I'm saying? It would be like turning away and deciding, hey, I'm not gonna follow God anymore. I'm just gonna go back to the world because it's too hard to follow God. There's always difficulty when I'm following God. There's always conflict. There's always problems when I follow God. I, and, and you know what? Nobody sitting around me at church really knows what I'm going through, understands what's happening to me. They don't know my problems. Nobody really cares that much. So I'm just gonna get out of here and go. I'm gonna take me and my friends and leave, you know, kind of a thing. And that's basically his, his mindset is, is he's just gonna take off. So you kind of get into the picture of where he's coming from. Then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maah, king of Gath. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath. Now this is his second time down to Gath. Remember, he'd been there before. The first time he went down there, he started drooling all over his beard and acting like he was a madman and stuff. We, we, we remember the first time he visited and they kind of sent him away. Now, why is he going back to some place like that? This is the enemy's area. Why is he going back there? That's not perfectly clear. Maybe he's trying to prove that he's not so nuts or something. I, I, there, it's all conjecture because we just don't know why he went back to Gath, you know, why he went to some place where he had such trouble before. But he, the first time he was there, it was, you know, he was drooling on himself and kind of acting all crazy. The next time he comes back, he wants to make amends with the king and kind of work with uh, Achish there. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each man with his own household, and David with his two wives. You remember, he, he married those two different gals. Remember, one of them was Nabal's uh, widow. And it was told uh, Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. So kind of end of it to some extent. You remember, really, David and Saul don't have any more clashes. This is the end of it. You know, this last chapter in, in chapter 26, they, they really don't have ex exchange words ever again or, or anything. But the issue is still there. The, the problem is still there. And David said to Achish, if I have now found favor in your eyes, remember, he's kind of hanging out in Gath and he's there with the king, Achish. And if I've found favor in, in your eyes, let them give me, just, he wants just some place to live, uh, some town in, in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? Basically, he's just saying, hey, this is, you know, I've got these 600 guys with me, all their families. I got my family, all my stuff, all these people. This is just a lot of, a, a lot of extra stuff for you to deal with. Is there someplace else that maybe you could place us now? I would envision, I don't know, we, we aren't sure on this, but it's probably likely true that Achish is very familiar with who David is. There's no doubt about that. He's very familiar with David's conquests and, and everything of who he is and what he's done. And so he, he, and he knows there's a problem between, it's not some brand new thing that Saul is against David and that there's this issue. That's not brand new information around that part of the world at that time. And so it's likely that he might be thinking, yeah, this is great. Uh, Saul's my enemy. You know, it's, he's an enemy of the Philistines. And so Saul's my enemy. David's the enemy of Saul. We can be friends because we all hate Saul. This is cool. You know, Saul hates you. You hate, I mean, you know, that's what he's probably thinking. So great. Well, we'll give you some place that you can live. And and Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Actually, you know, the, the reality of it was, was that 
when they went in to take over the promised land, that was one area that they didn't quite completely control. Uh, it was given over to them as part of the promised land, but they didn't really take hold of all of that area where Ziklag was. And so he's really going into something that was ultimately supposed to be theirs. Uh, now the time of David dwelt in the country with the Philistines was one full year and four months. So this area of Ziklag belonged to the kings of Judah. It, it ultimately was supposed to be part of, of the promised land but they hadn't really taken it all, you know, taken possession of all of it. They hadn't really um, dispossessed the other people yet. And so therefore David, when he took it over and it stayed with him all that even way on into the future. But he's there 16 months. So one full year and four months. So 16 months, he's there. Again, he's gone down really back kind of into the world, if you're willing. He's off the beaten path of where he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to be doing, right? And he's gone off of that. He's gone back into kind of this, the world and he's kind of made this arrangement with another world leader, you know, of his time, somebody that's in the world. This is an enemy of the people of God. Now think about this. He's made friends with an enemy of, of his own people, of the people of God. It's kind of crazy stuff, but that you got to track with this because it, it kind of gets involved when we get to the close of, what, of our thoughts tonight. So we want to stay with some of these things, these patterns that we're seeing and what he's doing. It all seems pretty cool at this point. Great. I've gone back into the world. I don't have to deal with all this other stuff. I'm not being harassed by the enemy, Saul. I'm kind of out of the way, out of sight, out of mind. I'm not getting harassed by him. It's just better. Sometimes we find our battles that we're engaged in, fighting in, in, in spiritual warfare, the things that we struggle with as Christians, trying to do maybe the right thing in a difficult situation or whatever that might, might be, it can start grinding you down a bit. Now, David's been in this, this situation for a long time. He's probably worn down a bit at this point. And now he goes off and he's just kind of pulling back away from God's people. And yet he's making kind of arrangements with the, the king of, of the people that are the enemy of God's people. And it seems like it's all okay. I'm kind of, well, cool. This is, this is working out. You know, I'm kind of getting a break from things. And we can kind of think that way when we can slip back into our old ways, our old patterns, our old ways of doing things, get back into maybe a more worldly mindset, kind of take our ease, get pulled back from the battle. Be careful, be cautious, because as we watch tonight, this is gonna play out just as we've maybe seen in our own lives or we've watched play out over and over again. We wanna put our guard up against this. Let's see what verse eight, as this kind of continues to unfold. So he's there for 16 months. Seemingly things seem to be kind of okay. And during this time period, David and his men in verse eight went up and raided the Jesurites and the Gerizites and the Amalekites for those nations were the inhabitants of the land of old as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. So he says, hey, this is an area that they had gone in through and kind of raided these areas. And wherever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. So he'd go into these areas and he would raid these areas. And these were areas, again, that just hadn't really been fully conquered 
by the nation Israel. And he'd go in and, and, he'd, and these are all enemies really that he describes of, of Israel. And he'd go in and raid those, those places and he'd take that stuff. So he's kind of not going against certain things. He's working awfully hard though at doing this stuff. He's very zealous about this, but then he kind of isn't 100% exactly factual about where he's been and what he's been doing. Now, he's wiped everybody out, so there's no trail. There's no tracing this necessarily because they're all killed. (laughs) So nobody knows where he's been exactly what he's done. Let's go on. Let's see how this plays out. Achish, the king, would say to him, where have you made a raid today? He comes back with all this cool stuff. Hey, man, where'd you go? Where'd you go raiding? Where'd you get this stuff? And David would say, against the southern area of Judah or against the southern area of Jermalites or against the southern area of the Kenites. So he'd sit, now the thing is, is he was kind of down in those regions or would pass through those areas in these raidings that he would do. He was in that area, he was in that region. But that's not really, the implication is, is that those were the people that he was attacking and taking things from. He wasn't saying he was really going against the people that really are the enemies of God's people. In other words, he wasn't being quite factual. Basically, he's somewhat lying. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to be cautious on how I word it, but yes, he really was. He wasn't being factual. It was, it was, you know, false pretense and the way he was sharing it wasn't really exactly what happened, but he was trying to cover himself. So he'd go out and do these raids and he, he would be taking things from the enemies of God's people, but he would report to the king as if he was doing this against the nation of Israel. So the king thought, oh man, he's a team player. This is great, you know? That's the mindset. That's what, and David wanted him to think that. David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath saying, lest, lest they should inform on us saying, thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So for 16 months, he goes out and he does the same thing over and over again. And he just rip, you know, kills these people and does this stuff. And, and he's very active. He's very busy doing all this. So Achish believed David saying, he has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Therefore he will be my servant forever. Again, you got to think, if we look at this from a spiritual perspective and what's happening and how David's, again, kind of, he's in somewhat of a backslidden mindset a little bit. You see what I'm saying? Because he's, he's living amongst a people that are the enemies of God. He is not, he's not plugged in, flying right with what he's doing. He's deceptive about what he's doing. And it's just, he has a little bit of a tendency for some of that, as we've seen, as we've gone along with him. He kind of has a little bit of a tendency for some of these things. Now, he's basically made kind of a pact with these other people. He's kind of made this deal, this arrangement with them. And so they think he's on their side because he's getting what he wants. Now, it seems like it's pretty peaceable at this point. It seems like things are going okay right now. For 16 months, it's kind of working out for him. That's his thought process. But you know what? Sin is always that way. It's fun for a season. But sowing and reaping is a spiritual law that's in place. It's in motion and none of us can escape it. What you sow is what you reap. 
You know, you sow to the flesh, you're gonna reap corruption. You sow the things of the spirit, you're gonna reap the spiritual benefits. It's just a spiritual law, it's in motion. There's nothing we can do to stop that. Therefore, it's very important how we live our lives and the things we agree to or don't agree to. David's made some really big arrangements, hasn't he, with the wrong team. That's gonna come around sooner or later, and we're right there right now. He's made this arrangement. He's been working this out. It's been going pretty good, but now it happened in those days, in verse one of of chapter 28. In those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. Therein lies a big problem. Because sooner or later, the enemy's gonna want you, gonna give you what you want. But sooner or later, the deal's gonna be that you've got to go against your own or go against God. That, that's, that's the way it's always going to go. He's going to be your buddy. He's going to be your pal, but not really. He's a liar. He wants to rob, kill, and destroy. The enemy always wants to do that. It can all seem good. Oh, just it's just a little bit. It's just one night. It's just one thing. It's just this. It's just that. It's not that big a deal. It's all of this coaxing to get us to think whatever that might be but guaranteed there'll be a price to pay. Guaranteed there'll be a price to pay. Always, always, always. And the deal's coming down right now. Check this out. Happened that they're gonna go against the nation Israel. And Achish says to David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle you and your men. Dude, you don't think you're hanging back here, do you? You don't think you're gonna kick it in Ziklag when we're gonna go out. You, you don't think that's gonna go down. You and all your men are going with us and we're going against Israel. You decide to pull back from the Lord, whatever that means. You, you as an individual decide, I'm just gonna kind of pull back from the things of God. Now, all of a sudden, you know this other guy, you used to hang out with him, you used to go to church with him, you used to be around him and he works where you work. And all of a sudden, people start coming down on this guy real hard, and you know the guy's getting framed. You know he's not really done any of the things that these people are saying. You know that's not true. But you don't have it in you to stand up with him anymore because you're on the wrong team, and the enemy's gonna keep pushing you, keep pushing you, See if, if, and, and it'll cost you your job. It's gonna cost you your job to stand up for righteousness now. But the enemy's gonna try and get you to say, no, no, I'm, I'm staying out of this one. This one doesn't involve me. That's his problem. But you know the truth and you don't have it in you anymore because you're not flying right. That might not have ever happened except for it's happened now because you've turned the eye and the way from the Lord and you've left that person to deal with that. And if you step in and do what you know is right, it's that kind of, I'm kind of trying to spin it into something that we would understand that where we live, what could happen. And you're not willing to stand up for it anymore because you're not really walking with him. This is where David's at. It's that kind of intensity. It's that kind of situation. What am I gonna do? Now the enemy wants me to go fight against my own people. What do I do? He thinks I've been doing that. He's been lot. You see what I'm saying? David's created this whole nightmare for himself. He's gone and done something that he shouldn't have ever gone to to, the, to begin with. So the enemy, no doubt, will always ask you or ask me to do the same thing. Okay. 
in the first century church, it was this. Caesar is Lord. You have to denounce Jesus Christ and say Caesar is Lord or see those, that, see that, those lions running around out in that ring? You're going in with them. It's that kind of thing. Now what do you do? We think, we'd like to think we'll go in with the lions. We'd like to think that. But instead they decide, no, you know what? We're gonna throw your wife in first. But we won't throw your wife in if you'll denounce the Lord you see? And say, Caesar is Lord. See, it, it, the game, the stakes get high. Satan plays for keeps. Are you kidding me? Satan wants your soul, and he doesn't care. But man, he makes it seem real palatable to all of us. And don't think we're all high and mighty here because we showed up on a Wednesday night. Praise God. But don't think we're any more righteous than anybody else because I'm telling you, Satan knows just how to twist your your deal and get your dial dialed right in on his frequency. He knows we have to be guarded. We have to be going his direction, the Lord's direction, so that we're sure 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 that no matter what comes up, man, I'm staying with the Lord, period. I'm engaged in the right battle. But see, David's just, he's in this tough spot. David says to Achish, surely you know what your servant can do. He says, you know, you know where I've been going. You know, you know what's been going on. You can imagine, his, he's got to be spinning out. He's got to be freaked out about this situation. And therefore, this is what Achish says to David. Therefore, I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Basically, he says, you know what? As a matter of fact, you're not only going, you're going to stand right next to me and you're going to be my bodyguard. Satan plays for keeps. But there's something that's very intriguing to me that I wanna spend a little bit of time on that I think is worth us spending a little bit of time on because it's not so much the situation, I think, for us tonight. We find ourselves in situations every day, all, all of us do. It's not so much the situation, it's how did we get in the situation? And that's what I really want to spend a little bit of time because there's, there's something going on that gets me, that gets you, that gets us in sometimes the situations we get into. And I think we're going to find some wonderful truths, some things that'll really help us today, tomorrow, and the next day. How did he get into this situation? As I observe all of this chapter, I just kind of look at, and this is my, you know, 30,000 foot view, just looking at the chapter and kind of seeing what's going on. There's a lot of good activity that David's doing. Even though he's kind of doing reconnaissance missions, you know, undercover missions, he's destroying kind of the enemy and he's kind of doing these cool things. And it, it's, this activity seemingly is really good, though it's not just because there's all this activity doesn't necessarily really mean it's God activity. Doesn't really mean that it's the Lord that's leading him to do all of it, you see? There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of things that you and I can get busy doing that seem really good. The thing that's interesting, it doesn't mean because there's all this activity that it's necessarily spiritually motivated or God-driven. Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Maybe listening to the message today, God was speaking to your heart. Here's an opportunity for you to just pray a simple prayer of faith. And just ask Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. Just pray along with me. Jesus, I want to ask that you'd forgive me of all my sin. 
I want to be born again, and I want to follow you. I want to ask that your Holy Spirit would come into my life, that you would use me from this day forward for your glory and for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.